0: Episode 241 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Gosh, am I ever going to hit episode 1000? I I keep getting more listeners across the world, uh, lately from Russia, from Australia. Boy, sometimes I wish... I think the one thing that I am not good at, (laughs) I think self-reflection is important. Getting people to take action. Or maybe people are taking action and I just don't know. Like um, buying my book, um, reaching out to me and saying how they found out about this show. It, it feels like, I guess my point here before, and I wasn't even thinking about talking about this, but what gets you to buy something or follow something or become interested in something or someone artistically creatively you know what i think a lot back upon my days when i became really interested in you know the drums and radiohead and 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 then the grunge scene it it feels like there was sort of a cultural collective happening around me but I felt like my own curiosity was, was certainly propelling me into the world of music. And as I've gotten older, I've realized how important music and sounds are to me. They really make me feel more deeply, and I, I feel a, a deeper connection towards, uh, towards my spirit. Um. But yeah, I just something that I, I really think about personally is, you know, is, is I have a record that's that's in the process of of being completed. I've I've actually finished five songs. Probably will release them individually. And you know, I put out a book a year ago, and I have this podcast where I know people are listening, and I know people are listening to my music. But you know, do you go down? an Eddie Cone rabbit hole of of watching more videos. Maybe because I'm not really playing any shows right now and I'm not doing any meet meet or greets uh, with my book. It's it's just something that I think about personally. I think I could... um, I don't know if it's even something I can get better at. I I never want to force people to do anything. I think that's sort of one of my criticisms of our culture. It, It feels like people are pounding people over the head to buy this or buy that. It just feels like we're constantly being bombarded with advertising. Even in my social media feed on Instagram, it almost feels like the advertisements are now um, overtaking or usurping the posts from my own friends. Like, Like out of 20 posts, it feels like, you know, 10 to 15 are... From an advertiser or from a product, where this corporation wants me to ultimately purchase what they're selling. Um, yeah, it's just it's just something as I was thinking as I pressed record. I I have all these other thoughts and ideas that I want to touch on, but but it it does one area today will be sort of the intersection of creativity and and the financial corporate world, and then I also want to talk about interrupting. And I also want to briefly share a story that I often, I wonder if this type of story uh, will ever happen again as I share it. Um, But I guess back to my sort of original point and my first area here is creativity, getting people to purchase or become aware of the arts and how those two sort of mix and mingle. And and honestly, I feel, much like I felt uh, two years ago with my last record, um, you know, I've got like 10 more songs, 10 to 15 songs that I'm still working on, but I have five that are basically done. And it's just, it's a bit odd to have five songs that are done, and I'm not really sharing it with anybody outside of a few close friends, um, because... I think I dread that process of putting art out into the world now, sort of into this hellscape, in this strain and the hellscape is getting people to care. You know, the hellscape is a society where everybody is sort of on their own algorithmic path where, you know, five people are interested in video games, another four or five. Are interested in porn, another four or five are interested in some YouTube rabbit hole. And I'm not just saying interested, it's it's sort of like, what does it take to get people to sort of shy away from whatever rabbit hole they're interested in to become interested in something new? And it's it's not really about the art. It's not about the quality, it's it's about getting people's attention. And I don't think I've become I don't think I've been very successful at getting people's attention. I don't want this to sound too egocentric. But every time I finish music, I always think it's just as good as anything out there. You know, it's funny. Two years ago, I felt the same about my last record. But now that I look back upon it, you know, I say, oh, actually, actually, maybe one of my biggest issues as a musician has been that my music couldn't ne- necessarily be categorized as anything. So although two years ago I thought the record and those, and those songs were, were incredible, you know, if I take a step back, you know, a year or two has passed, you know, maybe the music was, was too blurry in the sense that you really couldn't say it was rock, electronica, singer-songwriter... But now this, this music that I'm working on right now, these five songs that are done, it is so clear what it is. It's so clearly rock music. It's so clearly grunge. It's so clear what influenced me. And, and honestly, I think vocally, I sound better than ever. I think the songs are really tight and, and they rock and the guitar playing is great. The bass, all the musicianship is, is fantastic. I've been better on this record at knowing when to turn things off. So I say all this because I'm just absolutely thrilled for people to hear this music, but I can't help but think about releasing music into this society where, you know, what does it take to get somebody to to care and i'm not and I'm not even talking about like listening to twenty seconds or watching a twenty second clip that I'm gonna post on Instagram and like it. I'm talking watch that clip, but then actually head to Spotify and listen to the full song. like I honestly believe, and maybe this is uh too negative and not giving society enough credit, but it certainly feels like. The society that I see, like it is too much to ask the general population to listen to a three and a half minute song or to, you know, watch a 20 second, 30 second video and then actually click on another app to listen to the whole thing. That may actually be too much to ask of our society. What do you think? I mean, really, I, I, I am curious, am I being too glass half empty here? But that is sort of, and I guess I can't worry about it. You know, you just, I was speaking to a friend of mine, and he was just saying, look, look you've got to just share, post, make the art for yourself. But again, there's, and I'm going to play a clip here of, of the Mark Marin podcast in just a second. But I do think, you know, when you make something, look, there's a lot of people out there that make art just for themselves. You'll you'll make a recipe just to eat it. You'll make a piece of music with no intention whatsoever to share it with anybody. But I think there is that inner voice artistically where we want our music to be heard. You know, you spend so much time and energy on something, and then you want to play it live, and you want to share it, and you want to make a video, and you want people to... You know, hear or see your perspective. I don't think that's an egocentric, narcissistic place to come from. I think art is meant to be performed. So, again, I I, I am conflicted by how I'm feeling because I, I feel overwhelming joy to be done with five songs and, and, um, very curious about making more and and creating more songs and bringing these other five to ten songs to life, uh, but I get I guess a little disappointed or um, my hopes sort of get uh, cratered by this 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 society that we live in, where it just feels like people just don't care. I'm going to play you a couple clips from the Mark Marin. Podcast. I have a love-hate relationship with Mark, um, and this first part is going to be more about what I like about Mark's show. He has Amanda Seals on, who is a stand-up comic, uh, but also an actress, also a rapper. I I think the podcast is fantastic. Amanda is incredibly intelligent, articulate. And she, here's the, I'll, well, I'll touch on this negative point about Mark in a moment. But for now, I'm just gonna, they, so she has this great talk with Mark about art and the differences between being a stand up comedian in this world and being a musician in this world. So let me play you this clip.
1: I was, I started making music. Yes. So like 2006, I put out my first album, Life Experience. And then I put out four more after that. But I got very disenchanted in that process also because the the business of it, was making me hate the music.
2: Why? Because you didn't
1: feel like you were getting the attention you deserved? Well, one, it just feels like you're just pouring out mm. and not getting anything back. Yeah. What I love about stand-up is that from my personal experience of stand-up, there was a meritocracy. Like, I know that that, I'm talking about just mine. Yeah. I know that that's not yeah. the general sense all the time. But I know that, like, I would get opportunities because someone would be like, you're funny. Right. You can do this. Like, it wasn't like, you're pretty, you can do this. It was like, I I saw you go on stage, and then people laughed, and so will you come and do my thing, right? Right. Whereas people would be like, um, in music, it was like, you can sing, but, like, what's your story? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who are you, what, what, what producers are you working with? And I'm like, what is it, did you like the shit? Yeah. Or did you not like the shit? Yeah, there's, like, the you,
2: you I guess you would start to realize that the actual creativity of it is... A tenth of the job. Bro, and
1: th- <laughs> that blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Like, So it's 80-20 and the 20 is the art? Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, my mind was blown there because, and this sort of goes back to my last podcast where I don't feel like I criticized Taylor Swift, but I do think about what it takes to make somebody huge. And I agree with Mark and Amanda, and I, I get a little discouraged here. It's not the art. The art is so small. It feels like image and so many other elements are far more important than the art than the craft. Then like, is that good? Like, is, is it good? If it's good, then then great. let's let's put it out. Let's let's get it out there. But um, and I guess to my point of Taylor, I, I, I think she's good. But is, is, is the reason why she's selling out six, six Nights at SoFi because she's just really good? And, and I don't know. I, I think she's okay, but I think there's a machine behind her, a marketing machine. And I think she's great at social media. Uh, she obviously looks good. Um, she's worked with fantastic producers and writers. Um, she has a pretty deep and profound story. Um, Why did Billie Eilish explode? I don't know. It just feels like, and and I'm not trying to, maybe I'm aging myself here. It feels like in the past, it was a little bit more about just, was that good? Is that moving a room full of people? Like, I mean, but again, Kurt Cobain, maybe his image and his issues with addiction and and sort of his self-destructive uh, characteristics and behavior maybe that was maybe that was selling. maybe the the world of Seattle and the clothes and 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 sort of this dark dystopian headspace that so many of those singers and songwriters lived in and 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 the the heroin cloud that was uh, overhanging Seattle. maybe that was something that uh, the press and, and record labels were pushing because that was a story. It wasn't, maybe, it, maybe it's never about just the art and the music, but my point of bringing this all up is I have songs that are just about done or mostly done and I'm about to release them, or I'm, I'm going to shoot some music videos and do some photos and try to get people interested um, because it's not just about the art you know it's not a music in a song it feels like doesn't even exist if you don't have a video attached to it like without imagery music is null and void and so i just really connected with amanda on mark's podcast i i thought it was uh really inspiring and i think you should check it out i think uh Mark has a tendency, and I'm going to touch on this in a moment, to talk all over his guests, and it drives me crazy, but it really feels like Amanda often on the show is, no, let, let me, let me freaking talk. <laughs> so check it out, Amanda Seals on the Mark Marin Podcast. This is great. I, I, It's just something I I pay attention to and notice. A friend of mine sent me a Sam Harris podcast where he's talking about Oppenheimer, and I forget who he's talking to. But I will say, it feels like Sam actually listens to his guests. So, but, but on the other... And actually, I think Joe Rogan does a pretty good job of listening. Um, but I think we live in this world now where... And maybe I'm guilty of it too. That I have I have a podcast. Like, what what makes me think that what I have to say is really interesting? Or maybe you know I think I have a particular uh, viewpoint of the world that is probably different from a lot of other people. Or maybe I have a viewpoint that not, not a lot of people are speaking up about. So um, I feel like sharing. Um, I think it's I think it's easy for people to just sort of embrace culture and embrace new apps and technology and, and, and all these devices and, and live a particular lifestyle. But after a while, it's sort of like, wait, is that actually good for me? And so that's sort of my angle, my perspective. And one thing that I've sort of become aware of, it just feels like in the world at large, people don't listen very well anymore. And it does feel like a lot of people that create podcasts are doing these podcasts to really just talk more about themselves? And two examples: Bill Maher, which I'm going to play a clip for you in a second, and Mark Maron. I I, I actually used to really like listening to Mark Maron, but it's just become uh, so irritating because it feels like really it's just another opportunity where he can talk about himself. And I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about artists, and I forgot which show it was. But it just feels like artists are just a bunch of insecure, needy narcissists, where it's like, and that's, and now is the perfect place for that type of person to exist because there's so many platforms for them to express themselves. Like it's not enough just to be a musician, you have to write a book, you have to have a podcast, you have to go on social media every day. And again, I'm not, um, Speaking disparagingly about these these tools, I certainly could be the biggest hypocrite in the world because I have a podcast. I've had it for three years, um, so I do think there is there is a there is art in expressing. I think there's lots of ways that one can express themselves. Uh, I used to think that I should only be a musician, but I also thought that I was shortchanging myself. And gosh, I can write a book. I can be a DJ. Um, Idris Elba, he's an actor. He's also a DJ. So I think. These platforms are wonderful. Are a wonderful way to express yourself. Uh, however, I think many people ultimately are using them not to engage more curiosity, but it's just like another tool to feed their own insecurities and just talk all over their guests and talk about themselves. I say all of that because I have to play you a clip of Mark... Interrupting his guest. And then I can't wait to play this clip of Bill Maher constantly interrupting Marianne Williamson. Like Bill Maher to me is the greatest offender. Um, he talks all over his guests. It drives me crazy. So here's Mark Marin again talking to Amanda Seals or talking over. Well, here's an interesting point. Mark is subtle about it. Let me play this for you. And then I'm going to say, uh, make a comment about it.
2: Are we capable of that level of joy when, like, a first turn of, you know, validation happens? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a specific thing. I think you can have as much joy, but it'll be different.
1: It'll be different, yeah. Right. It but was, I know what you mean. It's like yeah. my first
2: Letterman. I was like, Euphoria. Yeah, but then you do it and you're like, I think I did all right.
1: Same, same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well,
2: I, yeah I, 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 I would have liked to have just stayed in the joy of getting it. Yes. Because doing it did not bring me the same joy.
1: I mean, like, I just got another book deal, and it's like, yay! And then you're yeah. like, oh, I gotta write. I gotta
2: oh, write. Dude, this, I'm never gonna write another the book. Goddamn book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst?
1: Uh, how would one... your last book do? It did well. Yeah? But I think it would have done better had I just had better support. If I, I don't think it would have done But that's better. always
2: the case with books.
1: Well, I think, you know what? Um. I also just didn't, there was just a lot of naivete. What was it called? Small Doses.
2: And what was the angle?
1: Um, my podcast is called Small Doses, and people had been really telling me, like, we'd love for yeah. you to put this on paper in somehow. Sure. So Small Doses, my podcast, had been about just kind of my ideologies, about yeah. life and yeah, living yeah. and thinking. Yeah. So I put that on paper as, like, a resource. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's sure. lists, there's sure. essays, yeah. there's stories. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful book. I, I have my drawings in there. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, it, it really is a first, it's a first auvoir of work that I can really, like, stand on sure. as, like... This is Amanda at this time. Nice. Uh, But...
0: So while Amanda's telling the story, did you notice every freaking second Mark is like, yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, if somebody's telling you a story, let them tell the story. You don't have to say, yeah, 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 every two seconds. And then earlier in the clip that I'm playing for you... Any opportunity, Mark just wants to talk about. Yeah, that's how that's how it's like for me. That's how it's like for me. It's it's not. It's rarely an, a deep dive into his guest. It's always an, an outlet for Mark to turn the conversation back on himself. And then when somebody's actually telling an interesting story, the entire time he's interrupting every two seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Sure drives me crazy. You can't get into a flow of sharing a story if somebody is saying, yeah, 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 sure, every two seconds. It's like, because Amanda was so interesting, I was somehow able to try and ignore Mark talking every five seconds, either about himself or interrupting Amanda. So if somebody's telling a story, you just let them tell the story and stop saying, yeah, 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 every three seconds. Bill's the biggest offender of talking over his guests. Like, I have a couple guests lined up this week. I want to know more about them. When I go out to meet my friends, yeah, like, if if people are asking me questions about whatever the hell I'm doing, I'm going to share my story, but I want to know what the hell people are up to, what they're doing. How are you? You know, are you interrupting? Are you looking at your phone while people are telling stories? Are you sitting there engaged and listening and wanting to know more? So here's Marianne being interrupted nonstop by Bill Maher.
2: Everyone should go to college.
0: College Act- is fucking bullshit. Actually, he's not, he's not interrupting Marianne. He's just talking all over.
2: The message should be, we need far less college, and most people don't need college to do whatever job they're doing. And... But you're sitting here talking about how people are not it's thinking deeply enough. It's a scam, college. college. Well, it has is become in many ways. scam. Higher education. They sell you this ticket because without this ticket, this diploma that says you went to college, some four-year day camp center, uh, you can't get the kind of jobs that pay well. I mean, we know the statistics of people who—what are the salaries of people who don't go to college versus go to college? It's night and day. You need that golden ticket so they can sell it. That's why— of all the things that have been suffering from inflation in the last, like, 20 years, college the most, it's gone up, like, 600%. Well, and you have the college loan debt because these people were told they would close the pay gap. That's part of the scam. That is part of the scam. But there's another value to education, which is much more valuable, and that is the expansion of our thoughts, the expansion of our critical thought process. They're doing the exact opposite on campus, the expansion of your thoughts. They all they do on campus is throw people off of it for having thoughts that don't conform to the one true opinion. I could list t- 50 professors I've read about who were fired or thrown off just for trying to teach nothing outrageous, just mentioning things. Yeah, I agree with that. And the kids, the the way these kids have been raised, the ones who go to those elite...
0: So, I've played you a clip here of of a guest, Marianne Williamson, and I could go to multiple areas on the podcast. Do you ever really hear Marianne talking? It's another opportunity for Bill to stand on his soapbox and talk about his viewpoints of the world. It's not enough to have a TV show. It's not enough to go on the road. He now needs to have a podcast where he has a really interesting woman on, and he doesn't even allow her to speak. And then I, I love this. So, Bill, you know, look, I'm, I'm very aware of this. I'm a little older. When you criticize the culture, when you criticize younger generations, you can immediately be considered a curmudgeon. So, Bill is, is obviously on a soapbox criticizing the educational system in our, in our society. So finally, Marianne talks a little bit about, uh, gives her her perspective, has a moment where Bill actually shuts up so she can speak. And then, of course, Bill gets offended. And I think, and I saw this on a show maybe a few months ago, whenever somebody calls Bill a particular word, he completely coils up and shuts down and and takes it personally. So let me play you this clip.
2: That is where the insanity that becomes uh, winds up downstream in your world, in the political world, Mm -hmm. uh, and then becomes issues like about transgender and racial stuff and what's going on in school boards where people do not like what their kids are being taught in schools. That, it begins at the university level. Well, the people who are complaining about what their kids are being taught in school in general are not the ones who went to those colleges. Correct. They just—it's the people who are teaching their kids who went to those colleges or are fans of that kind of thought—and there. Are, I think I think a lot of teachers these days are kind of like semi-activists, and they think they can reorder human society. And the easiest way to Dad, do. God, Bill, you're so cool most of the time, and then you become this curmudgeon, almost like right-wing sounding. Com- no, you don't you don't. Excuse me, that's an ad hominem argument. Should we stick to the facts and the issues okay. or should I, should I talk about you as on a personal level? Oh, well, I didn't mean to be like no, personally no, but, insulting. Uh, but I, yeah, but, th- but th- the I get that sometimes it's like, well, I can't really argue with this on the facts, so I'm going to say, okay, oh, you're a mean sorry. old man who's saying problem. get off my okay. lawn. Okay, I'm that-
0: Did you see how quickly Bill coiled up like a little baby because Marianne called him curmudgeon, and he, he you know, he said, and he was so good at. Oh, now you're making it personal. I don't think calling somebody who's criticizing uh, the society, um, especially if you're older, if if they're called, if if they come across as being curmudgeon, that's very possible. And I think because Bill's older, he's, I think he's in his 60s now, I think his age is certainly something that he's insecure about, or getting older. And so he does sound that way a little bit. And it's, it was funny that Marianne even needed to apologize for calling him curmudgeon. Because that's how he does sound. And I'm aware of a two of my own show. If I'm going to start criticizing people in their 20s, 30s, TikTok, people that are obsessed with TikTok and Instagram... I may sound curmudgeon. And I had an interesting conversation last night with a friend of mine. I'll say this. I'm really happy that I had a good 30 years or so before the world of podcasts and technology and social media. Um, I don't know if the world was better than. I think when you're in your 20s, um, just everything... I think the chances of seeing something with fresh eyes and a new perspective is easier in your 20s, and that's exciting. And I think as you get older, it's more difficult to look at anything in the world with a fresh perspective. That's why I think traveling is so important. That's why I think it's so important to keep engaging with people that are older older than you and younger than you, because it does challenge your brain to think um, more openly and deep and deeply, and, and and remain curious. And when I listen to Bill, just you know, stomp over his guests, it's obvious that he is a little curmudgeon because he isn't curious about what they have to say. He has guests on his show, and he's constantly talking over them. Mark Maron, really popular comedian. Obviously, he's got one of the best podcasts in the world, but it certainly feels like that podcast is just another outlet for him to spew out his thoughts about the world. Last segment, really quick. And I I think about this sometime. Like, if it wasn't for social media, would you be staying up to date with people. Like, would you know anything about somebody over the last year if it weren't for social media? Like, do you ever talk to this person or all you really know about them is what they post on social media? And then if you don't follow them on social media, or if you're not on social media, would you know anything about them? And I know some of my friends actually are on social media because they feel like they would be left out. Like they wouldn't know anything about their friends now. So they stay on social media. That way they... But again, what they know is what their friends are posting. And that's obviously curated Curated, and and there's intention behind why people are posting that. That's why I think it's so important to... You know, stay engaged with people and talk to people on the phone and see them face-to-face so you really get to have a better sense of what people are up to. So I have been using social media a little bit more lately to post about my music and songs, what I'm up to creatively, but I typically I don't really stay on very long and look at other people's posts. So I have a friend, Calvin Corzine, who's been on my show a few times, uh, he's a yoga teacher that, I, and I used to take. He's a yoga teacher, and I used to take his class uh, pretty regularly. Um, but we sort of have fallen out of, uh, of of each other's sort of circle. I haven't seen him. I've stopped going to yoga class, uh, or at least there in Santa Monica, so I don't see him there very often. And we just have stopped talking for no particular reason. Uh, just you know, some people go in and out of your life. It's sort of just like the natural progression of of the world and i know who his mom is i've met her at the yoga studio before when i was going this was years ago and she also swims at the same pool where i swim at so you know every couple months she'll say hello when i see her and that's about it so a few weeks ago i'm in line at the pool and i see her and she doesn't see me she's maybe you know 30 20 feet away and she's got this big smile on her face, and she's talking to a friend, and she's saying, I'm going to be a grandma really soon. And, and, and this friend of hers is congratulating her, and she's, she's talking about being a grandma. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, like, is Calvin having a baby? <laughs> you know, I had no idea. So I sent him a voice memo. I'm still in line. And I didn't want to interrupt his mom or talk to her. I just, I, I, she was busy talking to a friend. And I say, I leave this voice memo to Calvin. I say, Calvin, I'm in line at the pool. And I think I just heard your mom saying that she's going to be a grandma. And I'm joking. I'm like, are you actually having sex? Is she talking about you? So I'm, I'm like, I go, if so, this is amazing, but I'm going to call you later or give me a call back. So um, I call him later that day, leave a voice memo or voice message rather. Say, hey, give me a call. And he calls me. We're playing phone tag for a few days. And we finally talk on the phone. We finally connect a few days later. And sure enough, he's about to have a baby. And he's laughing because and, 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 I'm telling him the story about his mom, uh, or I'm waiting in line, and I'm overhearing his mom. And he obviously heard it before, but I share the story again. And he's like, man, that's really funny. He's like, so you're, you, haven't seen, you, know, you haven't seen me on social media or, or post anything? And I said, honestly, man, no, I haven't, I haven't seen anything. He's like, God, that's really funny how you found out about you know, me and my baby expecting, <laughs> expecting a child. It was uh, overhearing a story in line uh, that his mother was sharing. And I just felt like that is such an old-school analog way of of finding out about something. And so, I guess to my point, um, are we just finding things out about people through the feed? You know, through that, that feed that is just... Um, exploding in our brain every day? Is that the only way that you're finding out about things from people? Or are you finding out about something because you're actually you know, seeing this person and talking to them and asking them questions? Or are you overhearing conversations about somebody and that, that make you aware of something that's happening in somebody's life? I, get a, I guess I get a little uh, heartbroken sometimes thinking just how technology has reshaped our culture. And I think in this, in this very unusual way, it's the main uh, force that brings awareness to uh, a certain event in people's lives. Like the only way that somebody would know about somebody having a baby or going on a trip is not by hearing that story firsthand, but by just seeing it on social media. I'm, again, I'm not saying that this is bad, this is good. It's just an observation. You know. I think, again, another way in which technology has, has sort of reshaped our culture, reshaped people's awareness, and even reshaped how people become more informed on topics or friends' lives. It's, it's, it's the social media marathon that brings awareness uh, to people's lives, for, for better or for worse. So there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. I I have a couple guests that are lined up over the next few weeks. I promise more guests will be on the show. You know where to find me on Instagram at the Spiritual Spiral Podcast or at Eddie Cohn. My book, uh, SSAFY, is now on sale on Amazon. It's been on sale on Amazon, but it's now for a discounted price of $6.99. So head over to Amazon buy my new book. Well, not new. It's, it's been out for about a year, but my recent book, you can uh, purchase it now on Amazon. All my music on Spotify should have some new music hitting uh, Spotify and iTunes over the next few months. So keep an eye out for that. And as always, thanks so much for listening and supporting and being a part of the downward facing spiritual spiral podcast